Okay. <coughs> Maybe specifically a question which is Nagaya and it's Israel. And that is where there's compulsory military service for everybody, men and women, and it's understood that there's a real threat to the safety of Eretz Israel, and that's why, because there are enemies and there are wars, so when we look at it, that it's necessary to have an army, it's necessary to have a way to defend yourself. So why isn't everybody why isn't everybody obligated to join the army? Uh, why isn't uh, even people who are learning Torah, who in yeshivas, isn't there an obligation on them also to be involved in saving, in saving other Jewish people, in saving Klai Israel, protecting the border, whatever it's going to be. Now, as all questions, first you have to talk about what's the right Ashkava for ourselves, but in this particular question, that's the easy part. What's much more important is how to answer the question because it's a question which is very often not coming as a, like in, a, que- a request to know information, to understand. It's very often a coming with a certain political, so to speak, agenda, or even sometimes from a very emotional place that it's unfair, that why are we being uh, sacrificing ourselves and you're not, and uh, not sharing the burden, whatever it's going to be. So we can talk about first the Hashkafa Shabbat. And afterwards, the question very much depends on the setting when, 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 in which is asked and the tone in which the person is, if it's an attack, if it's a question. Uh, whatever it's going to come from, that how 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 a person has to address the question. Okay, so there's. Let's talk about first the the chiyuf. Is there an obligation to to pick up a weapon to defend yourself, to defend your country, whatever it's going to be? Is there such a chiyuf? So people like to quote the Rambam, but I would rather rephrase it and say people like to misquote the Rambam. What the Rambam says is that a melech is able to be made to the Muhammad when it's a Muhammad's mitzvah. If a, if a king decides we're going to war, so then normally a war which is not an obligatory war, so then he has to get a from the Sanhedrin. The king, even though he has certain executive powers as the head of the state, to go to a war needs the, the Rishus of base, we learn from a Gemara. That when Kais was going to Brachas and the king of the base, when Kais wanted to go to war, they asked David a melech, and he gave them the go-ahead, you have to get a, a, a hetzer from the Sanhedrin to go to war also, which means the question of going to war is, is something which we don't leave to the decision of just one person. We want the whole Sanhedrin Agadol to have an opinion about it and to agree that it's necessary. Of course, a king, as great as a king is, might have his perspective, might even have his legias, whatever the case is. And we're talking about something which risks lives, and people are going to get killed in the war. So we want the Shikul Adas of the entire Sanhedrin to be involved in the decision to go to war. Now, but that's talking about the Mechemes which means an optional war, which means a war we don't have to fight. Says the Rambam, when we're talking about a war where there's a Chiyuv to fight, so then you don't need the Sanhedrin because there's a Chiyuv. So the Melech can be made to the Mechemes even without a Sanhedrin. And what are the examples of a Mechemes Mitzvah? The Rambam gives three. One is Mechemes Amalek, which we will talk about. The other one was the Mechemes against the Sheva, the nations of Eretz Canaan which the Torah gave us the direct instruction to destroy them, wipe them out. And it's a on the Shem, we don't leave anyone alive. So, if a king was embarking against the war of one of the seven nations, he wouldn't have to ask permission. The Torah has instructed you already. That's the second example. And then the third example 
uh, the Ramadan gives is a, a war of self-defense. Sheva Amin. And the third one is a war of self-defense, which means we're being attacked by an outside uh, army or power that wants to destroy us, and therefore we're protecting ourselves. We, don't, we didn't initiate the battle, and uh, in a case like that, again, it's not a question of Sanhedrin, it's a question of Achiv. So if we've been attacked and we need to defend ourselves, so then there's a hatzah to for the king to be Moetz Nebuchadnezzar. So, even though today we don't know who Amalek is, we don't know who the Sheva Amalmina, so the first two examples of Muhammad's Mitzvah don't really apply to us. But the question is, what about the third one? We've been attacked and we're at risk of being killed. There's an enemy who wants to kill us, and we have to defend ourselves. <coughs> so, in a case like that, is it a Muhammad's Mitzvah? Is it a Muhammad's Mitzvah? And the Ram says yes. But, like I said, the term is often misquoted. Because, you know, that is a situation there is as well, for sure. But it's a din of a melech. The din of the Ram is a melech can be moitzi the mulchama in such a situation. And it's not a din of random people go out to the mulchama. It's a din that's the din of the melech. And one of the dins of the melech is to galvanize the Jews into, a, uh, into an army. And then he has, has the authority to instruct them to go into war and they are a citizen. He's a king. But if we don't have a melech, then we don't have a kind of milchama which is, a, which is, let's say, something which is a mechaev else the Jewish people. It's a mechaev of the king. And in the case there isn't a king. So even though there's for sure a din of to save your life, which is a regular din, that uh, any time a person threatening your life, you can kill them first to save yourself. But the idea of being yetsa milchama, the Raman puts it into the category of the king's job. And we don't have a king, and this won't be applicable. Now, that, so do we have a direct chiyuv uh, to, go, to, to go to war? Well, like I said, the Raman, which is often quoted, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about a case of a king. But, let's go to the other case. Isn't there a den of habala harga chahashkem Why isn't there such a principle? If someone's coming to kill you, so you have to defend yourself. You have to kill them first. And if that would be the question, if that would be the question, so then we have to we have to go back in history because this, this isn't a new question. Unfortunately, Klai Yisrael has been through a lot. And there have been many, many times, there have been many, many times when Goyim have tried to kill us. And we have to look back to the times of the Akhrainim, the Rishonim, even earlier than that, and see, was the Mahalach, well, okay, so let's make an army and defend ourselves. Was, was, that, was that the correct approach? Was that the correct thing to do? Um, because... We don't find that Sokhari Yisrael did. We don't, even when they were organized Kahilas, even when they had a certain amount of power and a certain amount of autonomy even, the idea of making an army to fight wasn't something which which Sokhari Yisrael were involved in, not at the time of the Crusades, and not at the time of the Cossacks, and not at the time of the Holocaust. We don't, we don't find there was such a, even a Mahalik Machshava, of are we meant to stand up and defend ourselves? And the real question is, why not? Why not? That was when we could, we had the means in the Whoever can try, try. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That was a spiritual thing, and that was against the communists. It wasn't a, 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 a didn't make an army. Uh, but the, 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 the Nakuda was, we don't find that that was something that Klaishal attempted. And the question is, why not? If there's a dinner of Habal Hargah, Hashem Hargah, that if, you, if someone's trying to kill you, try to kill them first. So then, why wasn't what, what, what why wasn't that always something which was a cheshpun, whatever, whatever enemy, whatever army was marching against us? There's one, the, the war so ghetto, that 
So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. That was after they were already oppressed. That was, that, that was what we're talking about. Uh, the the, the Warsaw was was definitely an attempt to protect themselves. And then the question was, it wasn't run by Rabban necessarily, but the question was, was it a good thing or a bad thing? Okay, so now there's uh, two points to talk about here. This is all, again, on the Hashkafa level, before we talk about any specific country, any specific, like, uh, the, the din of what the army is, but just on the din. Is, is that something we're meant to be doing? Is it something we're meant to be doing by training ourselves to take arms and learning to protect ourselves and making our own army and going to fight our enemies? Was that something we meant to do? And if that was, then why did none of them do it? And we're talking about big Jewish communities. But they could have at least put up a, a significant resistance if they wanted to. And we don't find that happens. Again, I'm not just talking about recently in the Holocaust. Uh, we're talking about even, there were many, many times when Kaisal were attacked, when Kaisal uh, were plundered. And we don't find that the Mahalik was, let's fight back. Or let's, uh, let's, so to speak, mobilize ourselves as an army. So, there's one story uh, that I want to share with you, which is, uh, it's a tremendous lesson in this, but it's also something we can learn from. It's a story which is brought down in the Sefer Yevena Mitsula. Yevena Mitsula was a, a, an eyewitness to the Cossack uprising of Tachvatat, 1648-1649, and uh, when the Jewish communities of Poland and the Ukraine were systematically destroyed by the Ukrainians. And what happened was, really, the Ukrainians weren't, didn't upri- wasn't uprising against the Jews. It was against the Poles. But if already they're the Israel, so if already they're going on the warpath, they would kill the Jews along the way. Which means they often put the, war, the Jews and the Poles together against the Ukrainians who were attacking both of them. And the, as was the way that wars were fought in those times, so of course the people in the town tried to barricade themselves in the town. And then the attacker from the outside had to break into the town. So in the same way, it tells a story about one town in Ukraine, where, which was today Ukraine, where the Jews and the Poles had barricaded themselves in the town and then the Ukrainians were outside. The Cossacks were outside, and they wanted to go. And the Jews and the Poles were working together to defend the town, so the Ukrainians couldn't couldn't get in so easily. So the Ukrainians somehow made contact with the Poles, and they said, "Listen, you know, we let's make an agreement that you'll let us into the town, so we can kill the Jews, and we'll leave you alone." And as if you work get with us to let us into the town, so we, we just want to kill the Jews and we'll leave you alone, and we'll save the, and we'll kill the Jews, and then we'll make a deal between us. The Jews heard about that, so the Shabbos they came to the Rav, and they said, "Can we kill the Poles? You know, we we're also fighting with them, and we we think that if they're going to try and you know, be traded traders and work against us, then let's let's be the first. We'll kill the Poles, and we won't let them, we won't let them into the Kyrgyz into the town." So that was a shame. And he brings out the answer to think about it for a bit, and he came back and answered and says, You can't do it. He said, Why not? He said, Even though it's true, and they're plotting to kill you, so you should kill them first. He said, But by doing that, you'll be massacring Jews everywhere. He says, Everywhere the Jews and the Poles are working together against the Ukrainians. And if it gets to the Shmurs that the Jews turned against the Poles in one sound, so then they don't know the reason. And they, the people aren't going to know the reason he did that was because they, they were really trying to stab you in the back. And then it's going to become a thing that the Poles will think the Jews are going to turn against us. You're going to kill the Jews everywhere by doing that. And therefore, we, it's also to do it. 
the effect that's going to have on Kaisra. To kill the Poles, because that's going to have an effect on every other town where the Jews and the Poles are working together, that the Poles will think the Jews are going to kill us too. And you're going to, you're going to put the Jews, the whole, the whole town, you're going to put them at risk. It's also the dirt. So they didn't. And what happened was, the Poles did exactly what they made a deal with the Ukrainians. They let the Ukrainians into the city, and the Ukrainians killed everybody, the Jews and the Poles together. But he, the, the, the author was, was a survivor of that, and he tells a story in the Sefer. But uh, what you see from there is a certain outlook, which is a tremendous, a tremendous mile. But even though Batson, you, you know you're risking your own life, but is it, am I allowed to save my life if I'm being massacred hundreds of other, or thousands of other people? Am I allowed to, let's say in my situation, uh, turn on the poles who, who, who want to be treacherous and give us over, if, if it's putting Kaisra all over at risk. So one of the big chashponists there always was is if you're, going to, if you're going to resort to using arms, then it's not just a question of yourself. It's a question of who else you're putting at risk by doing that. And that's, that's a very hard chashpon to make. In other words, if there's the, average, the random burglar who's trying to break into your house or the random terrorist who's trying to shoot and you kill them first, hashka hashka you're doing a good thing. But if you're talking about systematically making an army to kill whatever the enemy is, so now the question is, reprisal attacks. What, do you, what, what, what consequences is that going to have to kill Israel? And uh, that's why, uh, that's why there's, there's always that cheshbon. And it's not so simple to say, you know, let's protect our village, our town. Let's raise arms and, and uh, save ourselves. Because it's going to have an effect somewhere else. And if you're talking about an enemy that's working against the Jewish people, so the fact that he thinks the Jewish people are more of a threat because they're trying to fight back, will kill other people too. Historically, that's what happened by the Warsaw Ghetto. Without judging people involved, we don't understand what it's like to go through the Holocaust. But Lemaissa, the result of that was the, the, the general uh, governor of what's called the Central Poland, uh, which a Russian, a Russian anti-Semite, he was he was in charge of the all the camps and all the ghettos in the middle part of Poland after Warsaw Ghetto uprising. He decided that's it. He was killing everybody. He was going there anyway, but he, he, he right away. He's not going to wait for more uprisings. On the spot, he's going to kill everybody. It was uh, for the guys who were with us on the trip to Poland in Majdanek. So they had what was called the Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest was uh, basically it meant, it meant the harvest festival. But what it really was, was all the Jews in the Central Command, they marched them all to Maidanek and shot them for three days straight. Uh, 70, 80, 90,000 people, I don't know how many people it was, just one after the next, including the Pazinska Rebbe, who was a survivor of the Warsaw Ghetto. He was part of the group that got shot as part of that, uh, so to speak, response to the Getzer uprising. So again, whether the right or wrong is a question. Did it have reprisal? For sure. Uh, it was, uh, so that was always the danger of raising an army was that it's true there's an union of Habala Hargacha, but on the other hand, on the other hand, what, 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 how much more damage are you going to cause the Klai Israel uh, by doing such a thing? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't help. The, 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 the idea of, of deciding to fight, uh, you're going to cause a, a reaction and you can't take always a Kachai what the reaction is going to be. <coughs> Can't say that that there's a din of the terror and no separate tachan. Meaning, that's a shem's cheshbon. Exactly what's going to happen. If it's a shem's cheshbon, don't do anything now either. It's his cheshbon too. 
know, but, but he, he the tells, difference? He tells us to, 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 to kill someone that's coming to kill you. So then again, that's a question of an individual. If it's a question of, a, of what could put many other yidin at risk, so then it's not the same question. Um, he brought the, the, the story of Kranites, the Mysa. Rebbe spoke about it, that Kahana, when it came to the Soviet Jewry, so Oler Obama said, don't make a ruckus, don't make a lot of noise, we're going to try to do it in the normal channels. And he made a lot of noise, he did a lot of stuff, and the Mysa, he was successful. He was much so No, That wasn't the Shiloh of going to fight. No one was going to go kill Russians. Okay, so it's not the that, that, it, was, it was something that it could have caused. It's not the same thing. If you're using political pressure, I think that's a different cheshbon and a different discussion. When it's right, is diplomacy. What you're talking about now is should I raise an army and start fighting, start killing going. And on that, I know threshold, always it's not the right thing to do because you have to look at the bigger picture and it's going to cause more damage than you're going to be able to deal with. But these riots aren't from armies, though. These are uh, uprisings or. Back, What's the difference? It's, a, it's the same thing. What? That's right. That's, that's exactly what I'm coming to explain. When there was a melech and, he, and there was a concept of a king, so then he can, his, his army is going to not just go and fight individual goyim or even armies of goyim. The part of the job is I'm going to protect all of Israel. So the army has to do, be involved in both. But if you're going to go and fight in one area and even somewhere else are going to suffer for it, it's not the same question. Applies to a case where you're creating an army within the non-Jewish community, which sort of they view that as a rebellion. And then to, to quell the rebellion, like for example, what happened with the Romans, quell the rebellion, they'll start killing Jews everywhere. But when you're dealing with a phone uh, independent state, then the Goyim don't view that as sort of defending yourself as a as a rebellion, as a chutzpah. It's sort of okay, go ahead. Uh, no one thinks go ahead take things into your own hands, but that's not the point. The point is, uh, the, the, what I'm trying to get to is the idea of doing something as an army to go and fight or to protect yourself in one place doesn't work if it's going to cause people to get killed somewhere else. Which means the idea of the king would have to be, has to make a cheshbon, how I'm going to save everybody. And if that's the case, to go to war needs a cheshbon of where, where am I likely to get attacked back and how do I avoid to protect that. The idea of in individual cases of raising forces to go and fight or whatever it would be, that, that's not something which is, uh, the, uh, which I'm trying to explain, the chiyuv, and it's not something which is the din of the Muhammad. Everything Rebbe said, or Rebbe, I'm not sure, that the Chashmanayim maybe didn't have the backing of Gedolim at the time. I said, I said, we don't see that he asked the Gedolim at the time. And the question, what did the Gedolim say about it? Yeah. Which is a good question, we can talk about it. Like, where were the, the Gedolim at They were the Koinim. And they got the Adishmaim because they acted the Shem Shemaim. But what was what was what would have been a disaster about going to fight Yovel? Okay, it's a good question. All over the Greek Empire, all over the Greek Empire. Purim they didn't fight back as well. They spread out. Purim they were also spread out. They didn't fight back. Purim they did fight back, but that was with the king's army. Achashverosh got his army to work with them. If you remember the Purim story. The second letters were to all the Hashtarapin and the Pachos that all the Oiv and Melech are going to fight with the Jews. So now you're fighting with the Persian army, you're not fighting your own battle. In our mindset today, a person could say that if you lay down arms in Eretz Yisrael, it would be much worse than fighting the Arabs over here and having repercussions so all around the world. There's so many Jews here today that the Sakhani... That's where that becomes a question. I'm getting there. When they started the state... So that was a big, a big argument because it's true that they managed to fight the Arabs here, but then it put at risk all the Jews and all the Arab countries everywhere, in Egypt and in Syria and in Iraq, and the, the, they all ran for their lives because 
it's, uh, you, that's exactly the same thing happens. You fight in one place, people fight back somewhere else. And that's always a cheshman. There's always going to be reprisals. And the question is, how can you control that? Now, that's the historical perspective. Going back in history, why there wasn't always that mahalach of, let's just raise an army and let's fight back. And that is, it doesn't always help. And even if you be successful in one place, it's, you're going to, a Israel as a whole are going to suffer from it. That doesn't mean that in individual matter you can't defend yourself. But the idea of formally making an army of, let's say, a Jewish army to fight, so then you're looking at every Jew as a potential fighter against you, whoever the enemy is, and then that's going to cause an effect. It's going to cause a reprisal. Is it historically true that whenever we had an army, all of Klaiso was in one spot behind that army? Is it historically true? We're talking about Melachim. The, the, the period of the Melachim, Klaiso, was the time of the, in the, the first place of Megdash, Klaiso and Eretz Israel. So whatever backlash would happen would... <coughs> that would be part of the Cheshman because we head together, which means that the army's job isn't just to attack, it's also to defend. Hanukkah was a Hanukkah was a kind of thing. It wasn't a formal decision to raise an army and fight. They got up to say, we're not going to give in, we're going to stand up for Torah, and slowly, slowly, it snowballed, as we know. It wasn't a decision, we're going to fight the Greek Empire. And again, well, we're afraid that if we defend here, then Chutzlaret's Jews will suffer there. I'm, that was, that, I'm not talking Dafka right now. I'm saying historically that was Sorry. always the Khrasha. It did happen in the Middle East. Sure, it happens. That's it. When they made the stage, so get invited everywhere else, it caused the presence. But another kind is that should suffer anyway. Meaning, there could be that the guy, at, at some point, you're going to kill them anyway. Meaning, let's say in Warsaw, they kill them, but it could be that two months later they would have killed everyone also. In all these Arab countries, that all the Jews have to flee at the end of the day. Then they, they would have killed them anyway. No, they wouldn't have. They'd be there for hundreds of years. No, in Arab countries? Kimat Fulat. Kimat Fulat. In Yemen, there was a lot of pogroms. They were killing Jews nonstop. They were causing, they either they had to become Muslim or they were killing them. A lot of stories. Fine, but in, in other places, uh, the Jewish community, in Baghdad, in Iraq, for example, in Syria, in Egypt, uh, the Jewish communities hadn't been affected for a long time. That's not the point. I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I'm saying you see that the, the, the Cheshbon is that to fight one place means you're making every Jew, wherever they are in the world, they look like them as an the enemy too. So the question always is, is Shekla Das? Are you risking other people? Now, again, that's, uh, that's historically. So was it the right thing of Balha Gachot to always like, raise armies? No. Uh, that that it, it's, it's going to be, in the long run, more destructive to Klaistra. Now the question, and this is the, this is the argument, and that is, has anything changed today? Has anything changed today? Because uh, there's two, two differences. Number one, do we say that in today Israel are in a position to better defend themselves than they had been at other times. And if that's the case, we can do a better job of it. And even perhaps defend ourselves in other parts of the world too. That's the one cheshpun. Or number two, is there a cheshpun of how many people are likely to suffer? Because if you're going to say that, listen, you have one small village that you're saving and you're risking all the Jews of Poland, like in the story we said before of the Cossacks, okay, then, then it, doesn't, it doesn't balance. Whereas if you say you're saving, let's say, a majority of the Jewish people and you may be risking a few people somewhere else, so then maybe the, maybe the balance changes. The balance changes, which is always the chashash. You know, Israel goes to war here. Maybe some outlying Jewish community is going to have a terrorist bomb. Who knows? Somewhere in the world. Who knows? How can you stop it? But, uh, is that, is, but nevertheless, is there such a chashman to say, but since there's so many more Jews that are in danger here, so now that justifies the, 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 the use of, of going to war, even if it's going to cause terrorist attacks in other parts of the world, which we can't prevent and my people might get hurt from or get killed by. It's also an aspect of when you look at Israel, 
it wasn't like a decision, we're going to, have, we're going to set up a state with an army. They set up a state, 48 they got attacked, they had to, it was literally that, and then it just continued year after year, decade after decade, there was more and more wars. It's, it wasn't like a choice, we're going to have a state with an army. They had a state, and they realized, okay, we need an army because we're being attacked by a bit. They had an army, for sure, they had an army before the state. And then three of them. And uh, they knew they were going to fight. Anyway, the question is, there wasn't, we're not asking now what should have been done. We're asking now in the matter where it is now. So what's the khiv? How does the khiv work today? So as, as a rule, is there a point for, to go and fight today when, like we said, things, things are different and maybe Klaish are better able to defend themselves? Uh, so then, yes, there is, a, there is a good argument to say that it's necessary. It's necessary. The Gedalim at the time, both at Chaznish at the time of the founding of the state and since then, never said that the, the army as an idea, which should, is, is except for the South Meshita, which but everyone else didn't hold that the, it's also Meshita that there should be such a thing as an army. If, if the situations are such that it can do more good than harm and it can protect more people than it's going to risk and we can better defend everybody, whatever the case is, it's not a bad thing. Now, but that's just the starting point. There's two more big, important chashmanists to take into consideration. And the first one is, and that is that any time that there's an army, so the Torah tells us this, in the Torah's army, when we talk about Nuchamis Mitzvah and Rosh Hashem, the Torah's army, and that is two things. Number one, you have to know that going to war is the, the biggest sakana when a person's going to feel that it's our power and our strength and we're stronger and we have better strategy or better better weapons, whatever it's going to be. And the Torah warns us, but I think you're going to war, you should know. If you're going to think like that, then you're going to start losing wars. The Ica part of, a, of a, even when there was a Jewish army, the Ica part of the Jewish army had to be that we're going to do our mitzvah of protecting Yidin and the Bilchong and Hashem. And, after, and we find in wars when Kaisal fought in the Tanakh, that was always the outlook. That Hashem and Bilchong. And we're going, to, we're going to do what we have to do to, defend, to protect ourselves or to go and, and uh, stand up to, to, to protect Israel. But And the more that that's clear, then the more, then the more there's a Seat of And the more that people think that they do, and then it's uh, like we said, If a person is going to fight with that Hashkafa, this is Hashem's war, and we're, doing, we're going to fight with Hashem, so then there's a chance for Hashem. If you're going to fight without that, so then not only is it as minimum as a chance for Hatzlacha, it cannot destroy it. Because the concept of Klaistral fighting isn't really Klaistral's forte. That's Asaph's forte. The concept of Klaistral fighting is we're fighting with Hashem to help us. And therefore, if there's going to be a concept of a war, or, or Klaistral going to fight, then the way that the, the coin tells them when he used to address them before they went to war, Eilu Bayim Van Nisrein Eshel Basel the Jewish army is fighting as means that they are fighting for Hashem to help, not for not for uh, physical strength. And if that's the case, an army which is based on that principle, a Jewish army which is based around that you said, and that is we're going to fight in order. But Hashem are you sure? So then, the Torah tells us that's, that then Hashem will help them. A Jewish army which fights without that is taking a very big risk, and uh, because if, if they're not going to run Hashem to help him. So then, they're not necessarily going to win. Now, so therefore, when we're talking about, even if, even if there is grounds today 
that there should be a Jewish army and that the circumstances are changed. And we can say it's not the same situation that the Rishonim in Europe or in the Middle East or, the, or in other places they were, were faced with. But there's a derech of how a Jewish army has to be. And if a Jewish army is not like that, so then it loses the schus kiyum the that it has, which means the fact that it's relying on Hashem to help us. And now it becomes a question. And that is, if you have the option of joining an army which is, uh, which is clearly uh, does not consider it important to, do, to, to, to work with the with, with worldview that we're not trying to make an army which is going to work with Hashem's victory, or we rather an army which is which which formally denies Hashem and doesn't have anything to do with the way Hashem wants the army to be. So now there's a question: Oh, what are we gaining by being part of such an army? That's one question. The second question: We know that the Jewish army by being part of such an army, if we understand that the Lacham is Hashem. And if that's the case, to be part of an army which is not working like that, so then what, what, what's the, what, 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 what myths are we doing? What, what are we helping by being part of something which is, is being, uh, priding itself on, on the Kayach of Basavidah? That's not the way the, army, the Jewish army is meant to be. Second question, and that is we know from the Torah already that that's, if, if a Muhammad is, well, if, because we know a Muhammad is being run by Hashem, so the second point we know is that it's Talian's Chosim. And that's why even the Muhammad of Muhammad's Midian, which was a which was, which was a Muhammad, Hashem sent him to fight. So um, there was Elif Namati, Elif Namati. There are those who are going to war and those who are going to learn. And because we need this Chosim to protect the soldiers. And that was always the case. David, there was always going to be the case. We have to match. The amount of people going to war, the amount of people staying behind to learn or to dive and whatever it was going to be, because we need to match Chosim. We know that that's the outlook of the Jewish army. We have to do what we have to do, but on the other hand, it's the Hashem HaMilchama. And that's the second point. And this is the, and therefore, is, is to come back to, is it important that we need to defend Eretz Israel? Let's say it is. Let's say it is. But the defending Eretz Israel works on two fronts. Like the Elif Lamata which go to the heights, and the Elif Lamata who are going to get, provide Chosin. And if that's the case, is it important that there should be people whose job is to provide schusim for Klai Yisrael, 100%. 100%. And not only that, that's, again, looking at it from the Torah perspective of how wars are fought, so then that's going to do more. That's going to do more because as much as people need to be involved in doing in going the Muqama, they need to be the schusim backing it up as well. That's, that's again, before we went to say, the first one I want to talk about is Arash Gafa, before we talk about how to give it over. And therefore, yes, the fact that the, that the tzaddikim in Israel, like the pasuk says, that's what's protecting us. And we know this historically. As strong as Bar Kochba's army was, what saved Beitar was Rabbi Lozabar Hamidoy. And when Rabbi Lozabar Hamidoy got killed, the next day Beitar fell. What happened to all the soldiers? What happened to all the weapons? But they lost the schus and the whole thing crumbled. And the soldiers didn't, resi- didn't disappear. They were killed because they didn't have the schus to keep them going. And that's always been going to be the case. And that is that the, the concept of a Jewish army is never meant to be we're a better fighting force. We're stronger soldiers, we have better equipment. It's always going to be totally on, on the fact that Klai Yisrael is That's the Matthias of Klai Yisrael fighting. And I just want to give you two or three stories uh, just to back up this point. Uh, not from our perspective, obviously we might mean him, from the other side. From the other side. The first one, I, I was years ago, I was teaching in I met somebody there about Shilva who was a graduate of West Point. 
which is the American Training College, American Army Officers, Army Officers Training College, West Point, in America. He, he, after he was Jewish, he, after he had graduated as an American officer, he came here and became a Belchurva. So he told me the following. He said that when he was in West Point, one of the courses they took was military strategy. You're going to be an officer, you have to know military strategy. And military strategy, so that is the, the, the general who was given, or a colonel, I don't know who it was exactly, was giving the course. So he said, we're going to analyze all the armies, all the wars of the last century. And we're going to, we're going to learn from that how to, know what strategy was used and what was successful. And they went through all the wars of the 20th century. And at the end of the class, at the end of the course, so this cadet, the soldier, comes up to the officer and says, Sir, explain to me, why didn't you bring any of the Israeli wars to the where you could learn from? Now, there was the Six Day Wars, Yom Kippur Wars, the War of Independence. There were a lot of wars there too. Let's learn the strategy there. And this non-Jewish colonel tells him, he said, I didn't bring those wars because there's no strategy to learn. The whole thing didn't make sense. He said, we can't, we see no reason how what they did and how they won there's absolutely no reason for it. There's no strategy I can teach you. The whole thing just makes no sense to me. Wait, that, that, that. right, that's uh, one point. Uh, so, that's, so even non-Jewish strategists of war can can see that there's a certain element to the war which they they can't pin down to a certain technique or strategy or brilliance of the generals. It was nothing to do with that. Another one. This was I'm quoting uh, uh, one of the Hamas leaders. I don't know which one uh, in a BBC interview. Not now, uh, eight years ago, in the previous round of fighting, when he was interviewed for all the rockets that were launched into Israel, and the interviewer asks him, he said to him, "Why do you have such bad aim? And most of your rockets go nowhere. Like, why can't you aim them with better?" So again, this is a, a Arab uh, terrorist talking, a Hamas senior officer, and he says, "There's nothing wrong with that aim." So, so, so why do your why do your 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 you know your your rockets keep falling in empty areas? He said, because the Jewish God keeps pushing them on the, out the way. This is the Arab talking. So the, so the BBC interviewer asks him, so he said, so if that's the case, why do you keep firing? So he says, no, because sometimes he's going to get angry with him and let the rockets fall. So you're talking about our enemy. And you're talking about them admitting that the Jewish God is pushing the rockets out the way. So you see there's a certain element of you see that even when the Jewish army is fighting, but there's a certain element of of Hakadosh Baruch Hu has to be involved too. And what what does that require? Number one, it requires that the Klaishlavs Chosim. It requires that Klaishlavs Chosim. That's what's, that's what's going to cause Hashem to help us. But number two, uh, that is even if someone who is in the army and is going to fight by physically being present and being involved. So then, that doesn't part of them from that same chiv. If you want, to, if you want to work with the fact that Hashem's fighting for you, so then we have to, a person has to be aware of that. He has to have the knowledge, the recognition. Hakadosh Baruch is helping us, or we're doing a mitzvah by fighting for him. When you lose that, so then, if it's just going to be an empty status, if you're going, it's just going to be no. Every country is normal. We have to have an army too. We have to practice. We have to go to war. Without that, there's no mitzvah anymore. There's no mitzvah. The, 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 the key of the fight is, is to rely on the fact that this is what Hashem wants us to do and rely on Him to save us. If we don't have that, then we're better off going back to the Emunah that Hashem will save us without having to do anything else. Because at the end of the day, we come back to how you said. It's all Ishtadlus. It's all Ishtadlus, which is necessary if it's not going to take away from the Emunah. But if people are going to think, no, we don't need Hashem, we can do it by our own. No, we're strong. 
So we don't, we don't have to rely on davening anymore, we don't have to rely on fitters anymore. We, we have weapons instead. That's a big mistake. That's, uh, that's the background. And historically, that's always a clash for Rhode Island. Even if then the Cheshman was, for whatever reason, not to go to war, not to make armies, but what they're allowed was the Bitachan, that Hashem will help us. And uh, even in, we go back further in the times of the kings, when there were armies, so then there also they were allowed on Bitachan. Like the second class, by David Amelech, by Chizkiyahu, by Yeshafat, all the kings that went to war, but it was with the Tfilah. It was with the fact that, that, that Hashem was good to protect them. And uh, even if we're going to re- we decided today that the situation is the same, that we can once again create a Jewish army, what the Jewish army is meant to be, what the Jewish army is meant to be, is uh, something which is also going to work with that recognition. And because of that, two things. Number one, it requires us to, number one, it requires us to, to provide enough schusim that will, will, will give us the siyat dishmaya. And number two, that the, the army itself is going to, to, with that recognition, that the way that the army goes to war is if Hashem is going to be with them, that's what's going to give them that salah. So I've spoke a long time more than I thought, so this is the first part for ourselves. And so next time, we have to go back and now talk about how you're going to address that and based on the question that you get the questions that which are always being asked, what's the way to address it as well?